Welcome to Thriving with Mental Illness, a podcast with real talk, an open and honest conversation about issues surrounding mental health. There are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. I'm Mikkel Buck, author, public speaker, and suicide survivor who's lived with mental illness for over 20 years. And with me is my guy, Adam. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. Um, we are excited today. We have a guest for everyone. We always like having guests on. Uh, and this is a guest, Ty Anderson, is someone that Mikkel connected with through social media. Yeah. But why don't you tell talk a little bit about how you guys got connected? Well, we belong to the same Facebook group, Worldwide Prayer. And so I became familiar with your story watching you post through social media. And then I connected through you that way because anytime I see other people being open and honest about experiences with mental illness, it's somebody that I want to talk to. And we've had so many questions about schizophrenia on our podcast from last season. So I'm really excited to bring you on and Mm -hmm. have you share your experience with schizophrenia and the things that, that you've gone through. So welcome. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, so yeah, my name is Tyler Anderson. Uh, I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, I have a beautiful fiance named Alyssa and I have two beautiful kids, um, named Kylie and Brody, uh, Brody's six and my daughter's four. So they're kind of right at that age where, um, it's a fun stage to be at as a parent. I am a local factory worker. So I just work a, you know, six to three thirty job Monday through, uh, Friday, um, so real simple guy. Um, like I said, I've been through my supplemental health and um, I kind of feel like that's, yes, I work a factory job, but I think that's my purpose is that I've gone through certain stuff to help basically yeah. other people. So, well, um, it's really... something that when I see your posts, I mean, you're very active on social media and on this Facebook group. And yeah. when I see the things you post, like you share both the ups and the downs, it's not just, you know, hey, everything's great, guys. But, you know, the hard days, like today is a really hard day. And yeah. and this is what I've done to help me through it. And or I just need some encouragement from you guys. Like you'll ask for what you need. And and I think you are right. It is your purpose in life to help people with this. You're you're very good at it, at expressing yourself and using your words yeah. and and sharing your stories. So, yeah. And I think, you know, especially on social media, um, a lot of people think that it's a place to look perfect or put a filter on something. And, um, that's just not who I am. I think a lot of times we can learn from the harder days. Um, you know, I think you have to experience pain to experience joy and vice versa. So, um, so yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people resonate with my story and my mindset just because I am human. And I, I'm showing people that they can have bad days, that, um, but then there's better days to follow. So, yeah. Um, so, so were there times in your life where you felt a little more closed and you weren't as willing to talk um, about mental illness? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so I would say the big break point, breaking point was my suicide attempt. Um, cause that's kind of what led me. I, I was definitely one to, you know, if somebody was asking me how I was, I would just say, oh, I'm okay. And, you know especially my mom or even my fiance now, they can definitely read through it because I kind of wear my heart in my sleeve. So um, yeah, I definitely, I think that's what led me to my suicide attempt was just, I felt overwhelmed. I felt um, everything bottled in and then I finally just made that decision to. So how long ago was your suicide attempt? Uh, it was June 11, 2018. So a little over, this would be the third, 
year of yeah. anniversary. Did um, you? So yeah, still relatively, still relatively fresh. Um, yeah. Did you experience symptoms for a long time leading up to that, or was this something that was fairly new in your life? No, I uh, as far as my mental health, uh, so schizo or I have schizoaffective, which is schizophrenia bipolar. Um, and I started experiencing that around 17, 18. Um, so my first experience with it was, like I said, right when I got out of, right when I got out of uh, high school, um, just, um, as far as the schizophrenia symptoms, um, they're kind of the ones that you hear about. So, uh, the voices, the delusions, um, and a lot of times people will be like, oh, what are the voices? Are they are they just like inner thoughts or inner voice? But no, it's typically, um, you know, some days are worse than others, but typically it's uh, just like a friend would be talking right next to me. Um, and they're usually a negative um, voice. Um, so that's what kind of makes it challenging for myself. But um, I think as I've, you know, lived with this and tried to manage it, I, I think um, that it's becoming easier. Um, and I, I am accepting that that's part of who I am and that's okay. Um, you know, we, we're all, we all have our little normal per se own way yeah. of normal. Um, so, so yeah, I'd say around 18. So I've been dealing with it for, I'm 29 now. So 11 years, a lot of years. Did you recognize early on that, like, when did you realize these were mental illness symptoms and not reality? My guess is that wasn't right away. No, um, I really couldn't differentiate between real and not real. Um, that, especially the schizophrenia uh, symptoms. Uh, I, the, de the depression symptoms, I, I knew that was um, a mental illness per se, um, that side of it. Um, so yeah, no, I definitely, um, like, I think I mentioned on that group, um, there was a movie, oh man, what was Words on bathroom walls. Yes. yes, yes. Because okay. we did a, we did an episode on that after I saw that my mind was blown as well. And we've kind of talked about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that movie was a game changer for me. Um, definitely allowed me to accept it to be no, uh, normal. Um, yeah, they did a very good job uh, portraying um, the illness and kind of the stigma behind it. Because I think, you know, it's one thing to have depression and it's one thing to have anxiety. Um, but I feel like schizophrenia gets a different kind of rap behind it just because, I mean, you only really see it or hear about it um, in the movies or um, in the news kind of in a bad way. You never hear like of people managing it. Uh, in a good way. Um, so I think that was kind of my motivation behind me coming out uh, with that diagnosis and being so open about it because I knew other people uh, would benefit from that. So if I can go first and help somebody, then then it's worth it to me. Yeah. The scariest yeah. thing is always going first. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you know anybody uh, growing up, anybody in your family, any friends, any anybody who experienced schizophrenia or anything like that? Uh, I knew I knew of it because of my uh, biological dad. Uh, he has the same exact thing. Hmm. Um, but I never he left me and my mom when I was four. Um, and I haven't seen him since. So um, I kind of just knew that he had struggled with it. Uh, I wasn't 
around experiences, symptoms that, um, you know, he's experienced. Um, but, um, yeah, that's how, that's kind of how I knew of it. Um, and then, like I said, I've seen it in the media and stuff, but, um, once I experienced it firsthand, it was definitely, definitely an eye opener. When did you realize, like, when did you start to get help for this? recognizing that something else was going on um when i was 18 i i um got admitted into a here in well they're around the country now but here in wisconsin a really good one is rogers memorial hospital um and so i was admitted there for i think i was inpatient for a week back when i was 18 um and then over the last um well, from 2000, what was that, 10 to 18, I was admitted into the into that same system um, five times. Um, so I've, I've never really had a problem getting help. It's just been, um, I guess, learning to live with it or manage it. Um, that's been the biggest learning curve. Um, but I've always believed that help is real. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, that's, that's the hardest stuff too, you know, is accept or is admitting that you need help. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that, I think you and I are similar with a lot of the things that you're saying really resonate. I feel like, um, my diagnosis is bipolar type two and Mm -hmm. I'm on medication, but I feel like medication manages like 60% of the illness and the other 40% is, is just like you say, personal management, learning to live with it, getting some skills. It, it's actually really hard to do, but it's doable. Yeah. And so my question for you is, what are some of the things that you've learned about managing schizophrenia, schizoaffective? Yeah. So I've, like I said, I've been in mental health uh, counseling facilities, um, you know, five out of the last eight years. So yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've learned a bunch of skills. So like, um, like thought challenge. So let's say you have a negative thought, which that's human to have. Um, a lot of times people think that that's even now, like I'm doing a lot better, but like I, I'm still human to have negative thoughts, but it's what you do with that thought that matters. And that's what they try to teach you is um, like you're human to have thoughts, but you have the ability to do something about it, uh, good or bad. Um, but hopefully we choose the good side of it. Um, cause that's, what's healthy and going to benefit us. So, um, yeah, so thought challenge. So like I said, if you have a negative thought, uh, I've been taught to, um, try to replace that with, um, you know, evidence-based thought. So let's say I'm thinking that I'm not good enough. Um, is there any evidence that would allow me to think that, or is that just what my mind's telling me? So, um, and that's far from a lie, um, I'm a fiance to a beautiful woman, have two beautiful kids, have family, have support groups. So definitely enough to a lot of people and I matter. So, um, so that's, that's kind of a skill that I've learned. Um, definitely I'm trying to break the stereotype on this one, but like, yes, I'm a dude, but taking baths is huge for me. Um, (laughs) i laugh about that my uh 19 year old son uh deals with uh, pretty severe depression anxiety and he takes a bath every single night like that is his alone time that's his unwinding time like he's a huge bath fan so if you can never find sam he's always in the bath 
So yeah. there's there's no dude stigma on that one at our house. No. no, yeah, no. It's definitely like I said, just light a candle, put some music on, and kind of just relax. Uh, journaling too for me, uh, especially gratitude. Um, you know, five things in the morning that I'm thankful for, five things at night. Yeah, because uh, I feel like gratitude can change uh, your perspective on life yeah. um, and kind of make you realize some things. So. I feel like with that, um, something that I talk, I talk about and has helped me is focusing on the good because like in every situation, there's something good and there's something bad. Like both of those things are true, the good and the bad. But like with you, gratitude journaling, you're focusing on the good. And yeah. when things come, you know, going on in my life, I, when I choose to focus on the good, like it really was, does redirect your mind and help you see the better part of the situation. You can find the silver lining. It it improves your quality of life. It really does. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, so journaling, the gratitude. I'm on medication, so that's part of my process. Um, I'm on two medicines, uh, one for my schizo and one for my uh, depression. So um, actually my schizo and my, or my schizo medicine is actually it helps with bipolar too. So those, I know those antipsychotics sometimes will address both things yeah. that so, people, you know, may or may not realize that yeah. uh, it's, it's kind of the same class of medication that's used to treat both. Yep. Um, so yeah, there's definitely, I always use an analogy, um, you know, just like somebody with diabetes would take insulin or somebody going through cancer would choose to, to get chemo. I mean, it's the same thing. Um, physical health, mental health are the same. Uh, one you can't, one you can see and one you can't per se. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't make it any less um, invalid. Um, right. If you're just because you can't see it doesn't mean I'm, we're not experiencing it or somebody's not going through it. So, right. Um, I feel like, uh, I feel like I wish we could call it brain illness instead of yeah. mental illness because it really is a physical problem in the brain sure. but right. we just can't see that but exactly. like you said doesn't make it less valid doesn't make it less physical doesn't make it less real still yeah. the same type of physical issue as anything else yep so um i guess we all have people around us and some people when you talk about it they draw closer to you and support mm -hmm. and some people move away from you yeah have you experienced that as you've uh, i guess grown up with with mental illness well and especially started sharing because i bet right. you know as soon as you become public the the reactions become i feel like more distinct like people either come closer or they yeah so i've experienced uh pull away and draw um but i've actually experienced more draw than pull away so mm -hmm. um but I, I think that was kind of my hindrance in sharing my story in the first place was um you know i've experienced um, you know, obviously my biological dad leaving me, uh, obviously that had nothing to do with me, but I took it to heart. Um, I was sexually abused when I was nine. Um, so there was definitely some emotional stuff through there. Um, and then I went through a pretty bad divorce too. Um, so I've been through my share of rejection and, um, whatever you want to call it. Um, so that was kind of my hindrance. I was afraid of rejection. I was afraid of judgment. Um, cause when you talk about mental health, it's, it's messy. It's uncomfortable people, especially suicide. Uh, it's mm -hmm. been taboo. It's been taboo for a while. Uh, I think we're making a lot of headway. 
Um, and I think by you sharing your story, me, uh, I think that's opening up um, the doors and conversation to mental health, which especially now, you know, COVID, I think suicide rates were at all time highs, uh, especially here in Wisconsin. So, um, yeah. and we got to talk about it. Uh, yes, it's messy. Yes, it's uncomfortable, but there's lives at hand and uh, you know, people need to feel that they're human and that they're not alone. So. Yeah. I guess the biggest thing we can do is just making sure people feel like you aren't alone in this. These topics are okay to talk about. There are people to reach out to if you want help, you know, you can be that person. I can be that person, people around you. I mean, you talk about, it sounds like your mom has been a big support. Your fiance is a big support for you. Oh yeah. My mom's huge. Um, Never placed any judgment on me. Always loved me. Uh, I remember after my suicide attempt, I was inpatient. Um, She couldn't come see me. Um, so we talked on the phone and, um, so I, I had ideation before, but I never went through with it. So this was the first time. Um, so it was, it was scary for her um, and everybody involved. Um, but especially for my mom, uh, I was born a pound 12 ounces, um, shouldn't have made it then. Um, so it was very tough for her. And she, I remember being on the phone while I was in the hospital and she conversation always going to stick with me. I can vividly hear it. And she said, Tyler. And she started crying and she said, we got to figure this out. We got to get you help because you may not get another chance if you attempt. And, and that conversation stuck with me. And uh, she's, she's been a hero and a best friend in my life. Um, and then my fiance, um, who I've known for almost two years now. Um, yeah, she's huge support, always pushing me to um, be open about myself, even with her. Because um, even at times I've, been it's a new relationship or newer relationship um i've been at the end of the day i always opened up to her but i've been reluctant because i've never had that support um in past relationships i've been afraid to tell how i feel um so i've never had that before and um yeah she's been a huge support and i think that's that's awesome um that people especially me other people that struggle uh, support's huge. Uh, people need other people. Community is communities like oxygen. So that's a very important. So because I, I think it makes people feel less alone, and I think that's the struggle that people really struggle with, especially speaking for myself. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, one. Um, you know, we talked about words on bathroom walls, and mm-hmm. we're trying not to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. <laughs> so we're we're trying to delicately talk about it without. Yeah. But it, it really is very there's so many aspects you know of trying to take something that you know you can't see that it's it's a Mm -hmm. brain it's a mental thing going on and trying to give it some depiction on a screen you know that's a very challenging thing and oh yeah sure and i thought they did a really good job and in in a lot of ways uh one of the interesting things and maybe uh if people haven't seen it then <laughs> they can they can click off and go watch it first but there's a part where um he he decides that he's going to speak in public about it mm-hmm. uh, i think it's towards the end and there's yeah. a lot of darkness surrounding him and as he talks it starts to dissipate and you know that's something that I think that's the uh, the irony in all of it is sometimes you think that 
it's scarier to talk about difficult things, but it's, it's really the opposite. When you bottle it up, when you don't talk, Mm -hmm. when you deal with it alone, the weight is just so heavy um, that there really is some benefit to talking and being open, even though it's a little bit scary. I, I know for me, like when, cause I published my book, I don't know, eight years ago, something like that. And I know when I published the book and started to go public with, you know, my experiences and my suicide attempt and, and my story, instead of it being, I, I, it was so scary at first. And instead it was just like such a burden lifted off of my shoulders and it was so freeing to be able to talk about it. And I was surprised at how many people I was able to connect with because of talking about it that I never would have connected with otherwise, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, I think, I think that B word, that burden word is, that's a heavy word. Um, and that's something I've struggled with. Um, you know, not, not wanting to be a burden because I, of my struggles and I, but the people, the right people that love me for me is that's sufficient enough. And, and uh, I don't lose any sleep over people that I know he had, um, he had asked me before if there was any pullback. And, uh, you know, I've definitely lost friends. I've lost uh, just because they, you know, it was too much to handle per se. And yeah, I don't, I don't lose sleep over that. Um, I have to do what's best for me and my mental health. And, and um, so, but you know, definitely, definitely more um, draw than pull, um, which yeah. is which has been amazing, especially in, especially in that group. Um, That's a very supportive group. If anybody wants to, yeah. If you want to contribute to other people, or if you just want to feel amazing reading inspirational stories, that's a great Facebook group to be part of. Oh yeah, for sure. Everybody's asking to pray for each other. I'm like, I I like that group. That's a great group. (laughs) So I want to ask you, you mentioned like how hard it is feeling like a burden. Was that a contributing factor for you leading up to your suicide attempt? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, it was probably number one. Um, just like I said, I, I was struggling so much. Um, was married, had two kids. Um, so yeah, the suicide attempt was before was before my divorce. Um, that was six months before. So um, yeah, I just felt like I was overwhelmed. Um, like I said, I had I had plans written out before, but I never ever went through it um yeah that morning I went through with it and uh irony of it is um so I attempted suicide in my car actually um and I still have to get in that car every day um so and you know part of me wants to you know my fiance always puts it hey look so I have to get in the car and sometimes it's hard um because I have to visually remember the darkest day of my life so but she puts it greatly um she said look you survived and your car survives and uh you're both survivors and you can contribute off of that strength and look at it in a different way of getting in that car and um so yeah no it was it was uh you know a couple what was that about a year about a year ago i went actually back to the accident scene um and i took a moment and uh just stood there for a little bit and realized like i'm still breathing i'm still living and 
And uh, I think that's the one thing I've learned from attempting suicide is uh, life is precious. And uh, it's truly miraculous to wake up every day and, you know, look at the clouds and look at the sun. And, and, um, and there was another movie I watched, too. It was called uh, Soul. It was a Pixar movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. That mm-hmm. was so cute. And, uh, you know, that was something I struggled with, too, was purpose. Like, because I had my miraculous birth story and I, I survived the suicide attempt, like, I needed to have this big purpose. And, and uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, for me, it was just, like, I was losing sleepover and I was getting depressed about it. And for me, it was just, like, I'm alive and that's, that's enough to make life purposeful and perfect. So, um, so yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, I definitely won't attempt again, but I don't, I'm thankful the way that my life has gone. Um, cause yeah. I, I, that was turning point for me. Um, yeah. I think so, it, it was for you too. I would say the same thing for two. I mean, my life changed drastically. My attitude about taking care of myself and, you know, what I brought to the table and what was valuable about me as a person, a lot of that changed after my suicide attempt. So mm-hmm. for you, what would you say was the biggest takeaway for you after your suicide attempt moving forward? You know, I get the question too, like, do you still struggle? And, um, yeah, I definitely do. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, I think the biggest takeaway was no matter how dark life gets, no matter how bad I think my life is, um, no matter how bad I thought that my life was that better days are ahead. And, and, um, you know, it's human to feel, to struggle and, uh, but there's, the sun there's always new mornings there's always new mercies and um i'd I'd say i i love this three letter phrase and i think pretty much sums up life and for me and and it's life worth living so it's life period worth period living period and it's just it's simplest phrase but it's so powerful and uh that's what i try to encourage people like no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, and no matter what you're, you will go through, that life is always worth living. So, and I'm proof of that. You're proof of that. Yeah. And uh, so, I wish people would understand that. You know, you you may be in a really hard place right now, but like you said, that doesn't mean you're going to be there tomorrow. That this place is not forever. So you just have to get through one step at a time, you know, to the end of the day, to the end of the day for however many days until, you know, you get to a better place, but you're not always going to be there. Life is not always going to be this hard. So I just know that. Yep. What do you wish people knew about schizophrenia? That somebody with schizophrenia that isn't depicted as what the media portrays them to be. So they're not violent. They're not, they're not, scary uh, if you see a schizophrenic person we're well, not going to know it but if they were to if you were on the street and somebody was to be open about it that you don't have to be scared of them um they're human uh, it's just a condition that it's just like depression anxiety uh you know heart disease it's, it's a condition and and um 
and it's manageable. Um, yeah. I'm living proof of that. Um, and yeah, I, I, like I said, I just think there's stigma surrounding it. And, uh, I think that was a big, um, contributing factor to me coming out and, you know, sharing that diagnosis. That was, that was scary. Yeah. And, um, but I think, I think in that group, that was one of the most, um, rewarding, most commented, most feedback posts that I ever did. So, um, so it just goes to show you that, yes, it's scary, but it has its benefits. And, uh, cause there was, there was plenty of people that, you know, I got DM'd, um, from hundreds of people saying, Hey, you know, my brother struggled with it and he didn't make it or, um, my mom struggled with it and she's still struggling with it. So it was, it was just a big opening for people that, um, either had struggled that struggles with it or ha has been, you know, had somebody that's experienced it in their family. And, um, you know, there was, I think the most humbling DM I've ever got. So there was a, there was a lady, younger lady, probably in her twenties. And, um, I still get chills telling this story, but she had, uh, so she DM'd me and I think I had posted that I think right before I went to bed. So about 10, but it doesn't always get accepted right away. So I think it got, it got approved around one, 2 AM. So this young lady had actually pills in her hand and, um, she was going to take all of them and she saw my story and she put them down and she messaged me and she still alive to this day. So, um, and, and that, that's worth it to me. I always say if just one person has changed, you know, even somebody listening to this podcast, if just one mm -hmm. has changed, it is worth it to me. My vulnerability, that courage that it took for me to share my story, it's all worth it. And, um, I think a lot of times people will look at likes and comments and social media and base it off of numbers. And, um, I'm not really a numbers guy. It's just all about the impact. And, and, um, so yeah, that, that was, that's kind of one of the coolest stories I've ever experienced with my story and being open about it. So, yeah, well, you know, we all, uh, we've gotten asked before, it's like, how do you stop suicide? You know, how do you prevent it? How, it's a very complicated thing, but I think what, you know, you're talking about here, it's not a mass media type of thing. It's a, it's a very personal one-on-one -on -one reaching out, connecting, and that's how you do it. I, I don't yeah. know that there's any other way, but that yeah. personal connection of you sharing your personal thing with someone else that has a personal thing going on and connecting, you know, that's powerful. And yeah, I wish there was a, a faster, easier, um, you know, quicker fix to, to the, you know, the challenges, but yeah, I think you're right. It's just everybody doing what you can reaching out to those around them and connecting. Yeah. And, uh, yep. Yeah. One person at a time. Not, one person at a time. My story, your story is not going to change, not going to change the world, but it can change one person at a time. And then that person can change one person at a time. And I think that's yeah. How change well, and I think that that's what these conversations do. I mean, that's what the podcast is for. That's what you're sharing for is I think also to help people realize that kind of per your comment earlier, you know, you don't need to be afraid of people with schizophrenia. 
And I want people mm. to know too, like you can live a very happy life, even with mental illness, just because you're managing this doesn't mean mm. that you're relegated to, you know, a, a subpar life in any way. You can yeah. have happy relationships. You can have healthy mm. relationships. You can see success at work and with yeah. other things, but, but more than that, you, you can just have peace and happiness, you know? And yeah. I, I think a lot of times I grew up thinking those things were mutually exclusive. And I have realized that having mental illness and having happiness, those things are not mutually exclusive. Like you don't have to get rid of one to have the other, you know, you can, oh, yeah. you can have sure. happiness and still experience mental illness symptoms for the rest of your life, but still be happy and successful and, and thriving as the podcast says, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I definitely agree. I, I kind of struggle with that same thing. Like I always wanted to be like, God, like heal me of this or take it all away. And, and, um, I've, I've definitely placed, I always, I used to place a lot of pressure on that too. Like I want to be healed. Like, so this is all away, but I think in me dealing with this, this is kind of my purpose and it's helping others significantly. So, yeah. um, and like I said, I'm okay with it. Uh, this is, this is who I am and this is, this is, and I'm managing it. Um, to my best ability and um, taking it one day at a time. So, yeah. Yeah. Something that we try to talk about a lot too is, is the people that surround you, you know, um, cause you talk about the, the person, we call them warriors on our podcast, the warriors that are struggling every day with mental illness, connecting with each other. But then you've got the, uh, the, the cheerleaders that surround them, the people around and, you know, we can make a big difference too. And yeah. so we're trying to recruit more people to be support and to help instead of, um, you know, undermine or, or make it harder. Um, so we talk about different things like what, what you can do, what, what you shouldn't do. But I, I guess if you think about cheerleaders, people that help you, your biggest supports, what's, you know, one or two things that you can think of that they do that makes your life easier, that makes the whole struggle a whole lot easier. Yeah. Um, so my mom, uh, it's been my biggest cheerleader. And she, like I said, the, I think the number one thing is just a lot of times people want to fix them, the people, the person that's struggling right away. And I, I think that's, um, that's not what we're looking for. So uh, I, I know something that, you know, from a personal experience that helped me was just, um, you know, people reminding me that I'm loved, that I'm enough, um, that help is real. Like we're, we're going to get you through this and, um, and it's not going to happen overnight. So, um, that was the biggest one. Um, and then there's always a comment that my fiance always makes that always gives me goosebumps. But, um, so like I said, we, I got into a newer relationship with her, um, after, a um, divorce, so I was definitely uh, weary of jumping back into the game. So, um, and um, so I had my suicide attempt, um, two kids. Um, so I was bringing a lot with me. Um, and for some people that scares them away, but for her, it was, you know, there's always a comment that she said, she said, babe, it was, it was just more to love. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, yeah, she, she is sweetheart for that. And, um, which is true. Um, she doesn't yeah. look at it. She doesn't look at my struggles as hindrances. Um, she always says we're going to get through them. And, um, so yeah, it's pretty cool having somebody 
um, support me like that. So I feel like these struggles make us who we are though. You know, I mean, I wouldn't be the person I am without it. So you, you can't have me without having that because it's all of me, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was able to give her my, all my, all of me. And uh, I think that's when when relationships thrive is when you can fully give of yourself and vice versa. So always true well and something that we talk about as well is you're more than your mental illness you know and so there you know and that's something that as a husband you know i work through with mikhail as you know because mm-hmm. you can get to a point where all you see is this <laughs> it's like you feel like this is just who you are and it's actually just a a small part but if it's not managed it can be it can overtake everything but i'm sure you're more than this, you've got more talent, you have more skills, you have more uh, abilities. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we have to be careful, I think, not to just look at people um, one dimensionally, you know, and to see the whole person, which it sounds like your fiance, she sees this part of you, but I'm sure she sees much, much more. And, and, you know, so I, I guess has that, have you been able to do that to, to recognize this is just part of you or does this kind of overtake <laughs> your per- perception of yourself? Uh, in the, in the past, I used to, that's all I would, all I would think about was my struggles. And I thought I was destined for struggling and bad days. And, and um, yeah, it wasn't until the realization that I, that, that yes, this is part of who I am, but it doesn't have to define me. And um, you know, I'm a talented writer. Um uh, daddy to two beautiful kids, um, great coworker. Um, so like I said, there's, um, a great son, good at, great at basketball. Um, so there's all these different, um, little things that I didn't give myself enough credit for. Um, like I said, I always thought I had to do some big ordeal to make me purposeful, but, um, just being who I am and being alive is that's, that's what truly defines me and not my struggles. And yes, it's human to struggle, but um, no. Yeah. So to your question, yes, I've come to the realization that it doesn't have to define me. So Yeah. It's just, it's part of the big picture. Yeah. Well, Ty, thank you so much for being on and for sharing your story. And, and we're so excited to get it out to more people so that especially those experiencing schizophrenia and schizoaffective can understand a little bit better and know how to help them relate. So. All right. Well, Ty, thanks so much. That was awesome. I know. We just, we've gotten a lot of questions about schizophrenia and it's not something that we've experienced and, you know, every, you know, mental illness is slightly different in how it affects people, but Mm -hmm. there's so many similarities as well. Sure. But we just want to make sure everybody listening feels included. Sure. Because <laughs> you know? I think some people listen to like, they're not talking about me. They're not talking about what yeah. I'm experiencing. So yeah. we're definitely going to connect with people that might have been feeling left out. Sure. Uh, so we no, that's awesome. That. I know. Thank yeah. you. Well, I'm so glad Wait. that you're sharing. I mean, I love reading your posts on Facebook. So yeah. I'm glad you share. Thanks for doing that. You're. Yeah. An impressive guy and, you know, the struggles and weaknesses is what makes you impressive, not, you know, the accomplishments. So, oh, yeah, sure. Thanks for 
Thanks for sharing. Appreciate it. If you like this podcast, rate it and share it with a friend. If you would like to know more, you can get my book, Thriving with Mental Illness, on Amazon. If you would like to submit questions for the podcast or have topics or guests just like Ty, you can submit them on Instagram at Thriving with Mental Illness or on Facebook, Mikhail Buck. Thank you so much for being here and we'll see you next time. All right, see you next time.